Welcome back, everyone, once again to another episode of Crossover Commerce. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce space. If you're new to the show, what does this mean to you? How does this all tie back to you, the listener or the watcher? Well, that's a great question, watcher or listener. Uh, Every episode on here, we bring the experts in the Amazon and e-commerce space who are service providers, sellers, thought leaders who are going to help you grow um, in a certain aspect of your business, whether it be sourcing logistics, product ideation, copywriting, advertising, marketing, uh, growing internationally, payments, you name it, we are going to cover it in each and every episode. So I bring on guests, which I call at the end of every episode, friends of the show who come on and kind of go through each topic that we want to um, cover in on a day-to-day basis. And because every episode is live, you get to engage with our guests as well. So if you're watching this on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter, you can ask questions to every one of our guests. Just let us know where you're listening from. Give a thumbs up or give us a hello in the comment section below. Again, it's really easy. Just send that off. We see those kinds of comments and we'll bring them up on our screen. So if you're listening to this, you missed out on the live show, catch the live shows. But if you don't have time, we understand you catch the replays on all of your favorite audio podcast formats. That can be on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on all of those. Just search for Crossover Commerce Podcasts. Or you can just, of course, go to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast for all of our past episodes, transcripts, key takeaways, so on and so forth, resources that we talk about in every episode. So this is actually episode 225. Well, thank you for joining. And for those who are new to the show, welcome for the first time. If you're a past listener, welcome back. I love having guests on the show. This is why we do it so often. So much content coming your way. That's my passion. Hopefully we can bring it to you. But every episode is presented by Ping Pong Payments. Uh, We're in the shirt today. Uh, Ping Pong Payments is helping more people keep more of their hard-earned money, saving time money and effort when it comes to international payments, whether it be paying for suppliers, manufacturers, sourcing agents, VAs. If you're in an e-commerce or business industry, you need to check out Ping Pong. It's going to help you in an aspect of your business, saving more time, money, or effort. How that happens, let us curate a custom plan for you and helping with that. It's free to sign up. Just go again to our website, usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast to check out the podcast. But of course, sign up for free. There's no skin off your back but help put more money back to your bottom line. That means that every episode here, we have great guests on in different aspects of the space. My background is so unique and fascinating. If, if you don't know my background, I've been in anything from sourcing, log- or sourcing logistics. That's the one I haven't been in. I don't know where that came from. I've been in uh, directed consumership. I've been in SaaS. I've been in FinTech. I have this breadth of expertise in my background to be able to help understand, help get people to understand uh, where a company might be coming from. I used to live in the East Coast, in the North Carolina area, Virginia area, and I'm excited that our guest is coming from this area. It's almost like a bond that that the West, uh, East, not West Coast, East Coast has. I'm really excited about uh, our topic today and just connecting with this individual. We talked beforehand, we're going to be uh, discussing today our uh, episode. Let me pull up the content here for those who are listening. We called today's episode how to test your social ads with a purpose using audience creative and copy structures. Super intuitive. I'm really excited to, to kind of pick the brain of this individual. His name is Kobe flood and he is the CEO slash co or the founder, excuse me, of brighter clicks. So without further ado, welcome to crossover commerce, Kobe of brighter click. Kobe, thank you for hopping on crossover commerce today. 
Yeah, Ryan, thanks for having me. Episode 225. This is a, a good run you have going here. I was going to say 220. Maybe it's 226. I don't know what it is. I, I at least track after like 200, right? Yeah, I would say 200 <laughs> more. That's a that's a good show run. Yeah, I was. It's only been around a couple of years, or less than two years. So we're we're, we're on a good pace here. We're we're yeah. just going to keep pumping out content, talking to people like yourself. So thanks for saying yes to this show. You've been on other people. For, I call friends of the shows uh, as podcasts as well. So I'm really excited to be. It was introduced to you through them. It's all a big networking game, an Indian industry, right? Yeah. So uh, thanks for for coming on today and spending some time in my corner of the internet for people who don't know you, which now they will need to at the end of this episode. Uh, tell me a little bit about your background, Kobe, and, and kind of like where we, how we got to where we are today. Yeah, for sure. My name is Colby. I founded Brighter Click. So we're a paid social agency that works with e-commerce companies with Facebook and Instagram ads. I started working in-house as a marketer and then went the freelance route and spent a few years doing freelancing, uh, doing a lot of different things, website design, email marketing. When you start out as a freelancer, you fall in that trap of trying to just do it all. And then really tailored down to paid social ads. And uh, fast forward a couple of years later, here we are. We're a team of seven and uh, we grew 300% last year and just kind of working to keep that pace up this year. I mean, that's awesome. Congrats on the, the growth. Obviously, not every business... I heard something yesterday. It was super depressing on a podcast. It was 85% of like new businesses don't succeed. So I don't know if that's true or not. If they pulled that out of there out, out of nowhere, but if that's true, that that's amazing to be successful. You guys started in 2020, 2019. Founded really? it in 2019. Yep. Okay. So pre-pandemic. Um, it's like a chapter in like history, yeah. <laughs> like pre-pandemic era. And then like the <laughs> we're gonna be dinosaurs and like this is part of the prehistoric era or something like that. So um so why, why social ads? Why um, super competitive agencies um, working with influencers, things like that? Why, why social ads? What, what was the opportunity for you that you saw? Yeah, it was something that when I started doing it, it just kind of clicked for me. Uh, it was something I really enjoyed doing. Saw a lot of opportunity for e-commerce businesses in specific. I know email marketing is a great avenue, but so is uh, paid social. So we've enjoyed uh, kind of guiding clients through the paid social space. So who am I, uh, who, who's the be best customer for you? So if I'm listening to this and I'm an entrepreneur starting out direct to consumer, are we talking about marketplace seller? What, what's a, an ideal person that would need Colby's support and help? Yeah, that's a good question. We primarily work with direct to consumer businesses, mainly clothing and apparel companies, but we do have e-commerce across the gamut that have their own store so that we can do proper tracking. So Shopify, big commerce, WooCommerce, platforms like that. Do you have a do you have a favorite preference? Are we going to put you on the spot if I say which <clears throat> one's your favorite to work with? Platform wise or client yeah. wise? Yeah, let's, let's <clears throat> say platform wise. I won't say client because that's just yeah. I was going to say um, Shopify. Shopify. Okay, so I'm I'm curious. Like everyone says Shopify. I I'm I used to build my website on uh, Magento. Very very archaic. I broke my website multiple times. <laughs> is very is very. Uh, not user friendly. Why? Why Shopify? What's so unique about Shopify? Why everyone opts into Shopify? What's so cool about it? I will say this for clarification first. If we're just talking website design, I much prefer Webflow. Okay. But if we're looking at e-commerce, Shopify, they're just—they always seem to be ahead of the game. Um, when iOS fourteen point five came out, they were one of the first platforms to integrate conversion API tracking onto their platform. They have, uh, they're beginning to build out good UTM tracking on their actual platform. So you can do things like Google Analytics would, but on Shopify's platform, um, they have great app in, uh, integrations. We have 
partners like Recart, who is an SMS um, app on Shopify and a few other ones as well. So we just like the eco space. We always see good, good results and good um, kind of things coming out of Shopify's area. Well, they're continuing to grow. I know they, they come up with other reports in there. What's exciting for us in our industry um, at Ping Pong, obviously, e-commerce growth, good for everyone. I think yeah. we continue to see that. Um, they recently, or I forget, we there's things like Etsy and a lot of other businesses that saw growth in 2021. There's a lot of recap for 2021 that are kind of coming back to fruition. Um, what was it like for you guys Like as you're helping survey the social commerce space as well as e-commerce space? Any surprises, anything that stood out to you over the course of last year that really kind of stood out that you can share with people? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one, if I'm answering your question right, is just all of the updates we had with tracking and with situations on Apple and where data was going and understanding is Facebook over-attributing or under-attributing. And, and at the same time, uh, making sure we focus on the key point, which is marketing and not uh, Facebook ads is the best way to put that right. Make sure we're really still <clears throat> focusing on um, sharing that message. I'm going to go and tell you too. I know you said you're familiar with the North Carolina area. We're going through pollen and starting out. So <laughs> there may be times where my voice goes a little bit in and out because I'm uh, struggling on my end with that. Let's turn, they take a pivot. I'm from Indiana. When I moved out to Virginia and North Carolina, mm. didn't have any allergy issues. When I moved back, though, that's when I developed it. It was weird. I think I think the East Coast uh, ruined me. I yeah. don't know what it was out there, but it ruined me. So now I have constant allergies, seasonal mm. allergies, things like that. But pollen, March, it's March 3rd as the time we were recording and doing this difficult time of year because it's it was 65 degrees yesterday it snowed outside today flurrying i don't know what's happening in this world <laughs> but it's not normal and i hate the seasonality so uh no worries here Kobe. yeah um so in that regard so you talked about tracking we've talked with people on this podcast before it's hard to track now because of different attributions you said on facebook it's changing apple phones which is more than majority of the market more than 50 percent of the market now right um hmm. They, they have now the ability, and if you're not an Apple phone user, I didn't know what this meant until I bought an Apple phone for the first time this year. Uh, if you have the ability, app to app, website to website, to deny tracking privileges per each platform, per each app. Super intuitive. First time they've been doing this on the on the iOS. I forget the update. I shouldn't this by now because we talked about 14.5. It's 14.5. <laughs> I was going to say, it's probably seared. In, it's like a <laughs> tattoo. It's seared onto your body somewhere. Um, 14.5. Why is this such a big deal to people? And kind of like recap for me, why that's such a, a, a big detriment, a bad thing for people in your space. Yeah, it's a big deal for the business owner because you need to understand what platforms are working for you and what are not. You can still use blended ROA. You can understand how your marketing is doing all in all, but if you don't understand where your customers are coming from and what platforms need to have certain percentages of ad spend, it can definitely be difficult, right? And for the Facebook marketer in specific, it can be difficult because you're not sure which campaigns, which ad sets, which ads could be performing well, which can affect you as a marketer making conscientious decisions, but it would also affect the Facebook algorithm because if it does not see attributions going to campaigns or ads that are working, it may start to underserve those or believe that they are low performing and which could affect your ad account score. So there's a couple of things that we've started doing to 
uh, kind of combat that, right? One is make sure your server pixel is installed so that you're tracking that way. The second is use offline events. iOS 14.5 said you can't use your server or browser pixel to track, but I don't believe it said anything about using custom audience uploads, which is offline events. So a quick uh, win for anybody listening, use Zapier. They say Zapier makes you happier. Uh, connect your Shopify, your WooCommerce, your BigCommerce store to Facebook using Zapier. And every time a purchase goes through, send it to offline events. So if your online events didn't catch it, ideally your offline events would. And then of course, UTMs um, to use things like Google Analytics because we love Facebook, we love their marketing, but you never wanna let a student grade their own test. So you wanna make sure you have a, another point of truth, whether it's Shopify, uh, Google Analytics or something like Triple Whale for third-party tracking. I was going to say, I think a lot of people run into where to attribute um, success. Like, uh, obviously, with Facebook, they'll say, oh, yeah, of course, it was this. Look at the drive. Follow people around. A lot of people used to do it through cookies, and it was harder mm -hmm. through um, through Apple um, in the 14.5. But then, obviously, Google's cutting back a little bit more on Google tracking. But you said UTMs is a good way to do that. I know people use promo codes. Like, how? What are kind of you said a couple offline events? Are there other ways that people are are trying to get creative in terms of either last click attribution or first click or um, some sort of event or landing page specific purchased only through funnels? How are people getting creative that you are seeing? Yeah, all of the above. I know in the software space, which is a little bit off of what we're talking about here, but you can even try to have things like. Uh, radio buttons or drop downs, understanding where people came from by asking them on the purchase or during the conversion landing page specific. If you can build out uh, those specific landing pages for your Facebook or for your um, LinkedIn campaigns or wherever you're running campaigns at UTMs work, work very well. And I, I think Google Analytics gets under considered for how much you can actually do with that. When you're using UTMs correctly, you can use flows to understand specifically which ads people clicked on before they purchased or if they clicked on your Facebook ad and then served a Google ad and then purchased. There's a lot of things that you can really do with uh, Google Analytics if you properly set up UTMs in your account. So how are you guys helping enhance that that process? Like what, what what's unique about Brighter Click that that is kind of going above and beyond and helping people yeah, like you said with our with our title today, I can even throw it up here again, how to test your social ads with the purpose uh using audience creative and copy structures like how are you guys helping in this arena with tracking or with the um uh, let, let's talk about tracking yeah let's yeah, go tracking sure. first that's one thing we have rolled out like we talked earlier was the zapier connection with the offline events we have seen good opportunity with that we are working in clients uh google analytics as well so that we can make sure we have that kind of second point of truth um, and then one thing we're in the process of actually rolling out or looking at is something like triple whale so that we can have a um, pixel that is separate from Facebook, separate from, separate from Google Analytics, so we can actually see what uh, is happening on their website. And we love to be able to help clients understand where their sales are coming from, even if it's not coming from us, because we want their businesses to grow, right? So with things like Triple Well or Google Analytics or Shopify, we can see what avenue? Is it their organic social? Is it their um, Twitter? What is actually driving sales for them? So we use all of those tools and then we send like comprehensive emails every Friday, letting our clients know what we did in the week behind and what we learned from it, what we're planning to do in the week ahead. 
uh, any opportunities we're seeing on their website, and then just their overall account data and really focus on leading with education with that, which I guess is what we're looking at today with um, testing with a purpose, because that's all about education, right? You have a purpose and there's a reason behind what's going on in your account. So you can really see what you need to do more of and what you need to do less of. Yeah. When I hear the word testing, I, I think a lot of people freak out or pause. They don't, they don't want to waste. I think when people hear testing, they hear wasted ad spend or a uh, black hole of uh, where are my funds going to go? How important is testing even in this ecosystem of what's going to contribute to a success, a click, a, a purchase? If, if people think if they're not testing constantly of, hey, has this campaign ran its course? Hey, is this image uh, driving uh, incremental lift? So on and so forth. How important it is to constantly be tweaking, editing, and also just learning what's successful and what's not? Very important. There's there's two things I'll add to that. One of the first things I tell people in the sales process is testing is not synonymous with no sales, right? So we're not just going to test just to test, right? And then the second thing is um, you really want to make sure that you understand that some things that make sense in marketing cannot make sense in Facebook. And by that, I mean, there's things like first time impression ratio and audience fatigue and audience burnout to where, yes, we understand that that ad works. Like ad creative CR1 naming convention works, but over a certain period of time, that ad is going to burn out to where it's no longer working anymore because it's been served and the cost CPC and CPM are going to rise and your click throughs are going to drop, right? So having that constant testing mindset of always looking for new opportunities with audiences, with creatives and with copies helps because you do need to refresh things, especially if you're wanting to run ads 12 months a year, for years on years, right? You need to constantly be looking for new things that you can put out, new things you can learn about your account and trends change, right? So just because something looks good today, um, uh, what, 10 years ago, websites looked one way, now they look completely different, right? So things do change and that affects the ad space or just how we talk with customers as well. How often are you tweaking? Like, do you do, you do this as a as part of a service or how often are you telling people, this is how maybe like a monthly or uh, every other week, how often are we reevaluating and, and uh, adjusting? Yeah, ideally, we're running some sort of split test every week. Now we'll have the higher purpose, we like to break it down, right? So you have your senior media buyer mindset, you have your media buyer mindset and your junior media buyer mindset. So with the senior media buyer mindset, we like to have our purpose testings of what personas are we going after? What specific messaging are we going after? And then our media buyer mindset of how we're strategizing that. But ideally, we have split tests running every week so that we can continue to optimize as we go. Uh, is that all in-house that you're testing? Like what, what, what's, um, are there, I was going to say, so if, if I'm listening to this and maybe not using Brighter Click, is there a way to set up campaigns, whether it be in Facebook or Instagram? Or um, it, I don't think you guys go outside of those two, correct? Facebook and Instagram? Correct. So we'll say those two lanes. So is there a way to, in that ecosystem, change out different copy or analytics? Is it friendly or is it more difficult to understand like what's working, what's not? Since I'm not in their day-to-day -day basis for a customer, um, is it easy to A-B test within those two? It is. And the, you know, the best way I would say to look at it is test one thing at a time. Have as few variables as you can so that you can prove causation to what you're testing. And let's just say 
we're looking at today testing um, audiences, we're looking at testing creatives, and we're looking at testing copy. Turn it into a roadmap or a plan. And that's what we do at Brighter Click. So for the first seven days of your account, focus on testing audiences. Okay, so set up two to three campaigns. Each campaign is going to have three to four ad sets. And at the ad set level, that's where you're choosing your audiences. And you can take it even a layer deeper and say, campaign one is going to be persona one. Campaign two is going to be persona two. Campaign three is just going to be Facebook audiences, right? Like wide open targeting, lookalike audiences, things like that. Okay. And you're going to run those and you're going to run very similar or the same type of creative to those audiences. So that once again, as few variables as possible. And at the end of that testing, you're going to go through and you're going to understand what audiences performed well and what didn't cut off the ones that did not going once again, a layer deep, you can combine some that performed okay, but not the best. And then you can keep the ones on that did perform well. And that's when you start changing out the actual ad, right? So for three to five days, you can test out copy or messaging purposes. And at the end of that testing, you're now going to have your best performing audience and your best performing uh, messaging. But you also want to translate that to what you're going to need to do on your website later down the road, right? So now you have good Facebook ad, and then you can look at it for good website copy in the future. And then keep going with that testing iteration. Then go into what is your top performing creative styles, and then go into what is your top performing headline styles, and then go into what is your best served landing page, right? Is it the homepage, collection page? And we can definitely kind of unpack all of that and look at... Um, kind of themes and structures that we use for different parts of the testing. No, absolutely. I, th I think we can do that. My question to you is how often do you take what's already in place, maybe um, customer avatar, if you will, offsite on a different platform and apply it to a platform like Facebook or Instagram? Is that is that a no-no in the space or do you, do you feel like um, that is helpful beginning spot? I don't think you want to replicate it, right? Because they're different users, different avatars. I'm, I'm assuming, but uh, how, how important do you put that notion when you're building out campaigns? Yeah, that's a good question. So one of the first things that we do when we bring on a client is we actually have a client onboarding form and we give them space to explain to us what their customer personas look like. So to quickly answer your question, we do test it. Sometimes we do find that uh, Facebook audiences without really focusing on specific persona do perform well. Sometimes we find that the persona audiences uh, also perform well. It's how you target them on Facebook. So when we ask clients about their buyer personas, we want to understand things like their pain points and what the product solves, but that's for the messaging, right? We want to understand what is the key breakdown in terms of age, their income level, we want to understand what their behaviors are like, what time, what type of devices they're using. But the key things for targeting that we really want to look at is what are their media outlets? What publishers are they looking at? What brands do they follow? Either competitors of this company or not competitors. Um, what social media channels or pages are they looking at? What job titles do they have? So that we can use those types of things to use interest-based targeting on Facebook and understand um, it. It does perform better more often than not. It really just depends on um, how well you line up your messaging with your audience to make sure you are serving the right ad to the right people. Are, uh, how, are, how are social media ads doing overall since you're working with them? Are they continuing to still drive incremental sales and growth or even recently because of 
I know externalized factors are kind of difficult to put in play here. Have you guys seen an increase or de- decrease in performance over the last couple of years? Over the last couple of years, I would say we've seen an increase in cost per click in CPM, okay. which can increase your CPA. Sure. Um, and that is with uh, competition, right? TikTok's super inexpensive right now because it's not a saturated space. Um, but we have seen a slight increase in CPCs and CPM over time, which can in- increase your CPA. So is that a turn? Do you feel like that's a huge turnoff for people of I'm going to go where it's a lot cheaper and try to be in front of a trendy audience or maybe more established? You have more data on people. You can get more analytical, deep and whatnot. What, what's kind of the the play at pros and cons of both, do you think? Yeah, I think um, the pros and cons would be I would let me answer it like this. I would say a multi-channel approach is always your best option. Right. Even though at Brighter Click, we only serve Facebook and Instagram ads. Having a multi-channel approach is always a, a good route to take. Um, so you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. Is that a North Carolina phrase or is that a everywhere? No, I, okay. I, I, I was familiar and grew up with it yeah. too. But uh, yeah, no, all the eggs in one basket. You're not, <laughs> this, is, this is really random. You're not like the woman is like put the feather in the cap on the wheel of fortune. If you're talking about trending things right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That it, that we'll, we'll verify that it is a phrase that is commonly used because a lot of people clearly don't think that that's a common phrase, like put the feather in the cap or put all your eggs in one basket. Verified, you're, you heard it here, folks. Um, but anyways, uh, moving on, moving on from that, I, I, I'm curious on the um, with all the tweaks that pros and, and going back to pros and cons. Um, I know you guys only work with Facebook and, and Instagram. Is it difficult to? to target customers. And I've talked with agencies about this before. There's so many different variables and places of which consumer. So me as your audience can get distracted by stories. Um, you got posts, you got um, search functionality you have paid ads, all these different places where people can go in these rabbit holes, if you will. Yeah. And it's hard and almost impossible to, to constantly be in front of those people. You have people like me. I'm like, I go through my stories and click through. And that I, I kind of get the idea of like what the day looks like on my feed, if you will, not going through posts. But you have other people who get distracted by other areas, so on and so forth. Facebook, same thing. Groups, you have people that you know. It, it's like a million different places you get distracted. But TikTok is only one one area. It's like one fire hose. It's just a constant stream. It's just going up and down. And you can't really diverge. Mm-hmm. What's what's kind of the the tricky nature of what you have to be selective and how to capture everyone on like a one stream platform like TikTok? Yeah, so with TikTok, we we don't dive into that space, so not too sure on that one. What I can say, right. best placement wise, with Instagram and Facebook would be is we mainly focus on Facebook news feeds. We focus on Instagram news feeds. And then really focus on driving Instagram stories and the new surface that they are pushing now, which is reels. And in Mark Zuckerberg's post, so bad that I keep up with when he posted things and like it's a news break. But um, Mark Zuckerberg's post in early uh, Q1 of this year, he shared what Facebook and Instagram are going to be focusing on in 2022. And three of the things that I paid attention to, at least, were algorithm updates, commerce tools, and reels reels is going to be one of the main priorities of instagram for the whole year which makes me think back to when stories became a thing when they were trying to take market share from snapchat right 
and they successfully did that, they're going to be doing the same thing with reels. Now, what does that look like? They're going to push organic creators to make reels by rewarding them with mass exposure, which opens up a lot of advertising space through reels. So if we're looking at Facebook and Instagram, I would say focus on those specific placements or as they call surfaces, news feeds, Instagram stories and Instagram reels as that becomes a new, a new spot. Right. Well, in reels are supposed to be obviously short form content. Yeah. Max 30 seconds. Am I correct on that stuff? 15 to 30. Yeah. I would have to look. 30. Yeah. Yeah. And TikTok, I know announced I, again, I'm not a proponent of TikTok one way or another, just, just looking at the market space and how it's evolving. They announced that you your videos can be up to 10 minutes long, which Oh my God. If we had a problem with people getting sucked into one platform yeah. or another, 10 minutes per uh, potential content, good luck uh, keeping attention for that long. Uh, that's all I have to say. But people can get creative. They can do a little bit more. They can have a little bit more creativity with that. Do you guys, do you guys promote more short form content in terms of video capture and um, maybe like unboxing experiences and things like that versus, hey, like preach at me? Tell me about product XYZ. I know everything has a little bit of a, a meaning behind it, but how do you guys really push in terms of the content that you find successful? Yeah, that's a good question. So if we're looking at uh, creative and specific, I'll take that in a two-step approach. So we like to create categories based on like what is the actual content style or purpose and then what can we do with that? So for e-commerce businesses and namely clothing and apparel companies are one similar. We break it down by saying we have lifestyle uh, style photos or videos. We have flat lays or just the product like the in-studio shots. We have lifestyle flat lay combos where you take it and make it kind of look like a catalog. User-generated content, both image and video. We have photo video mixes. GIFs where everything stays in the same spot, but the product changes colors by cycling through the different versions of the product performs very well. Testimonials, lookbooks, and then PR content. So we take that approach first. And then we definitely go into within that, what type of content or um, video like you're talking about, can we do right? We like to keep it with the reminder that people like to buy from people, right? People really want to know what your brand mission is, who is behind the business. So with that, we'll look at some of our messaging kind of purposes or opportunities that we look at, which is um, founder story always tends to perform well. We have a couple of businesses that have been killing it with founder story content. Um, brand mission. Once again, there's one company called Great Rap that is in Australia that we work with. We run ads for their um, brand mission and for their founder story, and they always perform well. And then one that does not get talked about enough, I believe, which we have seen great success with is PR content. So if you get featured on Channel 9, Channel 10 News, um, your local news where you are, we've taken and run creatives where it's just that news listing. So it's a minute, two minutes long, which is long, but it's just that unedited, nothing about the product other than what's in that feature. The copy matches exactly what the news outlet put out. The headline is just the news outlet's name and it drives. We, we ran one uh, for great rap and it had uh, 7,000 likes. It had 3000 uh, comments. It had, tons and tons of shares. So really creating that viral content through PR content has been a great win as well. So lots of engagement there. Really interesting. Yeah. So if like, if, if that's me, if that, if that's a local, 
company and I do do I target that just to local my local audience because channel nine channel ten maybe not mean anything to me here in Indiana or wherever they might be. You know what I mean? If is that is that just a localized focus they can do if it's a national PR uh, or a media outlet, maybe that's when you do the the wide casting net local news, maybe keep it more local targeted in that case or what what's the play there? That's a good question. I would say test it broad stream with okay. great rap. They get uh, Melbourne news outlets and we run that across all of Australia. And just thinking back to my Facebook news feed in specific, there's times where I see kind of uh, non ad creatives that are news listings from Indiana or from New York or things like that. And I do sure. consume them. So I would say as long as the, um, the attention grabbing stuff is there, I would say run it across the country. Gotcha. So yeah, obviously, um, uh, content in terms of that when, when when stuff trends like that how what's a good way to to monitor um success or like uh, really capital capitalize on its upward trajectory obviously after a while it kind of like evens off and keels off and maybe like will start to lose off on its steam and momentum but how how quickly do you have to turn around as a business or a, a brand to really capitalize on momentum something that might be trending, how do you reshare or recontent and utilize that to kind of get the most exposure out of it as you possibly can? Is there a window you have to operate in and a max length of time that you have before it probably loses any sort of trendiness or capability of um, success in that regards? Yeah, I would say if we're looking at things like TikTok trends, dance trends, things like that, very quickly, right? That's Dear a week. God. That's is it, is it a day? That's yeah. I don't know. <laughs> very, very quick. If it's if it's content, we'll just say like that you own in the sense of PR content, uh, news listings, things like that. It's really more so up to when does your audience burn out from that creative? And it creates, it has the same type of life cycle that any other type of creative were had. We saw creatives for PR content would grow up run for about two to three months with no issues going on. Now that's much longer than a normal ad would run, right? right. That was a pretty good time. But yeah, as long as it's not um, trending in terms of uh, the news, I would say you have a good amount of time. Our news cycle and our TikTok cycle, a week to two weeks and you're you're out of the loop at that point. Right. What about a uh, product specific trends? So example, not a, not a dancer, not a, not a phrase or whatever um, goes around social media for doing something at a location or anything like that. Well, let's talk about like product trends or service trends, something that is going to be relevant in the news or gosh, I'm just trying to think of a, a an applic applicable thing. For example, like when people went to lockdown, it was like work from home products instantly became almost out of stock, something where you can capitalize again for, for purposes of what's happening in the world, your customer in instantly becomes more wide ranging how do you kind of monitor situations on a localization level, but then also on a maybe like national or international level where you can take advantage of, hey, they talked about this product or like if I'm a consumer, uh, like a food company and all of a sudden now this is a trend in Europe and people want to take advantage of that here in the United States. How do I kind of flip it over and, and try to take advantage of that wave then? Yeah, great things that you can do is use tools um, that can show you what Google searches are happening 
right? And you can see the quantity of those Google searches. Use social listening tools so that you can see uh, what is being talked about on TikTok, what is being talked about on Twitter, so that you can really stay ahead of those opportunities and also not come into it too late, right? So really listening to the customer. That's the most important thing. Um, using tools that are out there, free or paid, so that you can understand where people's attention, time, and uh, energy and money is going to. Have you ever done uh, campaigns where you've tried to target uh, media outlets to to get the attention of a buyer or an editor or something like that, where it's, hey, look at this quote unquote product and or get featured on certain things, whether it's been picked up in, in PR, it, it, just ideas like that. It, do you get that analytical or that kind of ma not manipulative. I'm yeah. trying to say, yeah, granular is a good word. Like manipulative, not, not this is not word. Ne yeah. that's a negative word. We're yeah. going to talk about granular and very focused targeting. Yeah. Put me on Capitol Hill. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, what what that comes down to though is so you have features, right? We work with one company that have been featured in Forbes. We'll just use that for an example. Yeah. Um, we can use things like Forbes as targeting, or we can understand what Forbes viewers or readers are also taking a part in, right? It's a customer subset, yeah. Exactly. Same thing with uh, any MSNBC or any news outlet, right? When you're targeting people, you want to understand your buyer persona and you want to understand, are they reading Martha Stewart's magazine? Are they reading Southern Living? Are they reading the New York Times? And yeah, definitely, if you're... Um, if you're featured now, this is not um, e-commerce in specific, but like with B2B companies, if you have a brand partnership with a brand and you can target or use that brand as one of your interest-based targetings, of course you would. And your ad needs to directly call out that you have that partnership, right? Because that's that link of trust. That's that link of understanding of who you are. So I would say definitely um, if it's within the Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok interests that are allowed, and we're seeing those get trimmed down over the past uh, three to four weeks. But if it's the ones that are allowed, definitely use the the ones that you can to your advantage. Is it ever okay or good to recycle content on one platform to another? Yes and no. But yes, because you do want your brand to be the same across platforms, but people consume email very different than TikTok. So I would say you definitely want to have your brand style guide, your, your brand Bible. Um, and if you can translate it across platforms, that's great. But even within Facebook, Instagram, they're in the same ads manager. <clears throat> we sometimes see that we want to run separate content from Facebook and from Instagram. So yes and no. I think TikTok will be a great opportunity to say if you're already crushing it on TikTok, start putting that content on Instagram Reels placement because it is the same essentially type of consumable content. Uh, but just keep that in mind. Is that, is that an, I thought that was a no, no, again, clarify me or correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it, Instagram doesn't reward video potentially from TikTok or vice versa. I, I don't know if it was like the logo you need to have like either scratched out, but then obviously, you know, at the end of every video on TikTok, it does that whole, like, here's my here's my username and it has a TikTok logo. I thought it was suppressing those kinds of video content. Is that correct or am I mistaken? That may be. So I get a little bit outdated on the organic side. Sure. Uh, we stay <clears throat> specifically with the paid social. So that would be with the right. ads that you run. Right. I guess they don't care if you're paying, paying for it in that regards, but uh, I muted myself there. 
my apologies. Uh, so Kobe, um, kind of going into the other aspects of audience creative copy structures, what what's already new for this year that maybe has taken you aback or surprised you that you didn't think that you would that this would be prevalent to have to worry about or maybe take advantage of this year? I'm I'm curious about 2022. What's kind of the shocking thing for you that has <clears throat> has either impressed you or taken you back in a good or a bad way? Specifically for audiences and for creatives, I would say looking at the audience updates that happened <clears throat> about three to four weeks ago. And excuse me, let me clear my throat. These allergies are. So Facebook announced about three to four weeks ago that they were doing some interest-based updates to allow for user privacy, right? Which is totally understandable. It was things like <clears throat> um, heart uh, foundation and LGBTQ opportunities there, right? We understand people want their data privacy. The thing that we've noticed on Facebook uh, and Instagram targeting with that is you can create an ad set today and it could have 1.2 million people in it. And you need to make sure that you're monitoring that over the days and weeks to come because these interests are falling off, these opportunities for targeting. So that 1.2 million size audience in three weeks, may you may only be able to target 600,000 people. And you can actually see that number change in your ads manager. We have somebody in-house who one of their key roles now is to go through accounts and make sure that the number we marked in the naming convention for that size is still accurate, right? All that to say, we're getting to a point to where, like I said earlier, some Facebook things don't make sense for marketing. You want to start targeting broader audiences because your audiences are depleting more and more based on uh, targeting capabilities. So I would say focus on running the three to five million, five to 10 million size audiences. Although we've historically wanted to stay lower on the lower end, one to two, one to three million, definitely look at those broader audience opportunities so you can continue to drive without having just astronomical CPMs and CPCs as you're pushing. So where did, where does this go this year in, in terms of that, if that's a trend that, like you said, specific natures of which you can target, which again, Data is always a good and a bad thing. Yeah. It's good because it can be, provide relevant products or services for people who are in market for that service or product. As a marketing person, we all know that's the positive and the, the really beautiful thing about data. The negative is also on the backside what you can do with it and how to be specifically targeted based upon likes, um, you know, you know your your beliefs or anything like that. Again, with keeping it in a broad scope, uh, who you are on the race or national level, any anything of that sort. Yep. It's not really localization. Um, it's localization in probably the most bland way I'll, I'll call it. And it's not, it's not very helpful in that regards. Um, so people are taking, they're, they're taking that out of the context. You said certain categories. Is that, is that to clarify? I, I'm just asking for a clarification. That's what Facebook is no longer allowing people to do. Correct. They're taking out things like the LGBTQ. They're taking okay. out things like um, American Heart Foundation or things like that that have to do with people's health, have to do with people's mental health, oh, okay. things like that. Yes. Okay. So that was that an issue or is that something that just people like advocated to not be allowed anymore? I, I, I'm not as well versed in that that new movement. So I'm, I'm learning for both myself and everyone out there who doesn't have a pulse on the yeah. The, Amazon or the geez, social media advertising space. Yeah, I think it more so turned into um, not being um, kind of targeted like that, right? So kind of like how you have to have 
specific um, rules with like job applications and things like that. So just not kind of separating people and segmenting people out like that, which like I said, totally understandable, right? As marketers, we, we learn, we adapt, we evolve. If you came into Facebook seven, eight years ago, uh, it was a, it was a free range of open up a drop shipping store, uh, target whoever and do whatever. Right. So it's really just looking at, um, now how do we change how we target? Right. So I believe that that's how it started and that's kind of the movement behind it. Yeah. Not, I, I just want to make sure like nothing like drastic, like came like a, not Cambridge Analytica okay. 2.0. Right. Uh, I was like, like that. did yeah. I miss something in the news? Yeah. Like, there's a lot going on. I can't, there's yeah. a lot of like life events. I don't want to be personally having to put in my book again mm -hmm. as another chapter, but that's, but that's a different story for a different podcast for a different time. Um, Colby, in the last couple of minutes I have with you, um, as you guys are growing and, and what, what, what's it, what do you want to like accomplish? What, what are like your goals that you see like coming out of this business that you guys want to say, Hey, I've achieved my goals. We've helped people reach X level. What, what are those like business goals for you that maybe people can uh, associate with or really kind of conceptualize a business on your end? Yeah, we want to continue to be education first. Um, so that starts with our team members. And we ask, uh, I always say, I don't know if I can legally say require, we ask that our team members take a paid or free course that we provide in their field every quarter so that they can continue to grow in their realm. And then we take that knowledge and translate it to our clients. So we lead all client communication through education. So our goal with clients is to continue to be that education resource that not only helps them drive revenue for their Facebook ads, but for their business in total. And we have client count and brighter click revenue goals and things like that. But our, our biggest goal as a company is to continue that education first opportunity. We want to productize out into a software for marketers, both in-house and freelance to use. And then we want to build out universities so that people who are not able to afford courses, $500 courses or $5,000 courses, and take so that they can further their skills as a freelance marketer or as a business owner. And we want to turn it into a full university to where it has accreditation behind it to where people can see that that was a course that they completed and they have kind of skill with that, right? There's with digital marketing, there is no one way to learn it, right? With Facebook ads, there's thousands of uh, teachers and there's thousands of different way to do it. So it can be intimidating as a business owner to hire out somebody because there is no one accreditation for that. Not saying that we think there should only be one accreditation, but we want to help bring consistency to paid social and also give people the opportunity to learn something that they may not be able to afford if it has to be a paid course. So we want to help people uh, further the business and further their careers as well. I love that. that. That's such a cool ambition uh, that you guys have. And, and I'm excited to just kind of learn and watch from afar and socially yeah. watch you guys grow from that regards. So if, I, if I'm if i a person listening to this and I'm, I'm loving what I'm hearing, Colby, what, what's the best way? What's the best way that people can get in touch with you, follow you guys, or just engage with your company or you yourself? Yeah, of course. So you can visit brighterclick.com. Um, you can email me personally, Colby, C-O-L-B-Y at brighterclick dot com or just connect with me on linkedin colby flood on linkedin i was gonna say we have i know we have your profile and i yeah. I'm gonna put it in the comments too so everyone can watch and, and check it out just an easy click we put both 
in the in the social um, links already. But if you're listening to this again, check out the show notes. You're going to be able to click and check out brighterclick.com. It's a one page website. That's a super easy to read. I, I I was like, where's the rest of the page? Nope, one form. Like pretty easy. Uh, yeah. you, you guys are pretty straightforward, pretty easy to read. Uh, so follow you on LinkedIn. We we posted those links as well. So, uh, hey man, friend of the show. Now I'm going to say thank you so much for hopping on. I love. Best of luck in the allergy season. This this yeah. time sucks this time of year, and uh, and and it, it really does take a toll on you when you are on calls all day, and you're just you know you're you're bone dry. It, it, it's just a it's just really tough on you, like physically and mentally too. I I hate it. My wife is like, "What's wrong with you?" I'm like, "I've been talking all day." Like, but also <laughs> allergies, and also the we have to do this for a living, man. So, um, but the education are you um. Are you guys starting a podcast or anything like that? I guess on the, on that side, or are you guys just going around speaking speaking about things like that on different podcasts? That's the long tailed approach we'd like to do. We're starting uh, by going and speaking on podcast ideas to create our own podcast in the future, and then nice. look at uh, building out those kind of education opportunities on our website as well. Amazing. Well, hey, best of luck, man. Uh, yeah. Congrats on all the success thus far, and it's been super informative about obviously. I was 14.5. Is that it? Yes. Did I get it right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. I'm going to have like, if you get a tattoo, like that's, that would be a funny <laughs> tattoo to get um, something that's changed your life for the dramatic uh, world in that, in which we live. So, um, but thanks so much for teaching our audience and kind of educating further on some of these little, um, these, these big things that to grow your business, you're going to need to be aware of. So definitely appreciate you hopping on today. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on here. Awesome. Thank you so much. And then thank you everyone else. Thanks, Kobe. And thanks for everyone else who came on Crossover Commerce Day. This is episode 226. I got it confirmed. Episode 226 of Crossover Commerce, uh, where I bring on the best and brightest in the Amazon e-commerce space. You got that obviously from Kobe today. Go ahead and check them out at brightercollect.com for more information and just connect with Kobe again on LinkedIn. All those links are in our comment section below or show notes uh, floating around here somewhere, uh, depending on where you are watching or listening to us now. Go ahead and check them out and follow him. Great content that he posts out there as well. Uh, quick note, if you guys, um, I put a banner up earlier. If you aren't already aware, Ping Pong Payments will be at Prosper Show coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Coming up quick, it is the 3rd of March. And if you're watching this, that means it's 11 days till you'll be able to see us at Prosper Show in Las Vegas at the Mandalay Bay. Um, we're at booth 532. I jokingly am going around LinkedIn and posting that we are neighbors with certain businesses. So if you are uh, attending or have a booth there, I call myself a neighbor of yours and you will find us there uh, going around doing podcasts like this live, but also engaging with top service providers and leaders in the Amazon e-commerce space. We hope to see you there. If you are going, come by and say hello um, and just to, you know, friend see a friendly face. Other than that, though, um, that's it for this week on Crossover Commerce. We'll catch you guys next week as we have a couple more episodes leading into live shows at Prosper Show. But thank you, Kobe, and every all, the, all of our guests that we had this week. It's been uh, a good one. So with that being said, we'll catch you guys next time on another live episode of Crossover Commerce. Take care. Mm -hmm.